and welcome to Clubhouse Conversations. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. This is the premier place for the preservation of Royals history from talking to each player himself. It's 30 minutes to 60 minutes of Royals talk. Not just the stats you can find anywhere, but the memories and the stories with the men themselves on Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo. So glad you are along. And I hope you're subscribing to Clubhouse Conversation on iTunes. If you haven't yet, you can do that here through the website. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse. We're on Facebook, Clubhouse Conversation, and of course, bookmark the site here at clubhouseconversation.com, where you will hear from all your favorite current and former Royals players year-round with weekly interviews. And today, it's Derek Wallace who joins us on Clubhouse Conversation, a relief pitcher the Royals liked quite a bit because they traded for him twice. Wallace first came over in the Brian McRae trade from the Cubs back in 1995. He had been a first-round selection of the Cubs back in 92, came over to KC in that trade. The Royals then shipped him to the Mets, who later shipped him back to KC in 1999. And that's when Derek spent some time at the Major League level in Kansas City. 3.24 ERA out of that Royals bullpen for Wallace in eight games before numerous arm injuries prematurely ended his career. It was really quite tragic in baseball terms. A guy with huge upside but just couldn't quite stay healthy. But he did make it to the big league level as well with the Mets in 96, the Royals in 99, and did a lot of great things during his career as well. Like, oh, I don't know, win a college World Series with Pepperdine? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Derek growing up in L.A. as a Dodgers fan, about how the Cubs picked him, each major and minor league stop, all that and so much more as Derek Wallace joins us now on Clubhouse Conversation. First of all, thanks so much for taking the time, Derek. And second of all, how's everything going with you? Oh, it's going pretty good. Just getting ready for the holidays here in Florida. What part of Florida are you living in these days? I'm living in uh, Stewart, Florida. Oh, actually just moved. Ah, well, very nice. Very nice. Great state there. And no income tax, right? That's a positive. Yeah. That doesn't really affect me nowadays, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would have well, helped out a little bit back in the playing days, I suppose. Well, in case you hit the lottery or something, right? <laughs> yeah, that'll work. <laughs> so, you know, 2015, besides moving, what else is keeping you busy these days? Uh, just uh, chasing the kids around, you know. Um, my my uh, daughter plays volleyball. My son's playing baseball at, high, at both at the high school level. So chasing them around, getting them where they need to be, pretty much. Well, and you uh, pitched obviously for both the Royals and the Mets, who met in the 2015 World Series. So we got to get to one of the most important questions here. I mean, how did you watch that World Series? Were you pulling for one team or over another? And what was that like for you? Yeah, that was pretty neat. Um, I like obviously like both the organizations. I played for both of them and uh actually got up to the highest level with both of them that was a great experience but um honestly i kind of really like the way the royals play they play the game right you know they don't make a whole lot of mistakes and throw strikes and put the ball in play i just i uh, was kind of pulling for them you know it's kind of hard i like the mets organization too even to- though I'm a Dodgers fan at heart, I grew up in L.A. So there's actually 
on on Facebook there was a number of players making comments about them playing on both in both organizations. Very nice. Well, you know, the Royals won it for us, rewarded us all, which is pretty cool. And and I want to talk, you know, more about your Royals days and Mets days. But let's kind of go back to the beginning then with high school. So Chatsworth High School, uh, obviously in the L.A. area, like you mentioned, the Dodgers there. So who was your favorite Dodgers player growing up? Oh, just a number of them, you know, uh, Davey Lopes, uh, Dusty Baker. I'll, I go back a little bit now. But... Um, any Dodger, really. I'm kind of a diehard L.A. fan. Any sport, doesn't matter. <laughs> Even like the Raiders. Unfortunately, <laughs> probably not good for Kansas City fans. But, uh, yeah, any, all of them. Well, that just means you, li- you like Bo Jackson back in the day. We're cool with Bo, so that's all good, right? Yeah, definitely was a big-time Bo Jackson fan. He's actually my favorite. The uh, the best video game player ever on Tech Mobile and Super Tech Mobile. Did you ever play those games? No doubt. Yep, he's unstoppable. <laughs> I love playing with Bo. So while you're at Chatsworth, then 1988 junior year, you guys were ranked number one nationally for a good portion of that season, and I found it kind of interesting. So they mainly used you as a relief pitcher at that time instead of a starter. Were you always more of a position player and then like a relief pitcher growing up? Were you more of a hitter than a pitcher? You know, at that time. Yeah, I was pretty much a, a middle infielder, but then kind of swung over to four, first base the more I uh, pitched. But yeah, I was always a position player. I kind of still was, even at the end there, a position player at heart, you know. I just had a pitching in the back pocket, but, you know, I took took being a position player as far as I could. I got a little taste of third base at Pepperdine, but six throwing errors later in five games and didn't really hit Division One pitching. Uh, that came to an end right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get to Pepperdine, so your senior season, you played as an outfielder in the 89 World Junior Championship. So what was that like, and who were some of the other players on that team that would you know go on to greatness? Uh, that was a great experience. Um, yeah, 1989, I'd have to dig up the yearbook there. Um, I know there's Chris Sheff, I believe. Yep. He was on that. Possibly Melinda's guys that ended up going to uh, Pepperdine, actually. Um, I wish I had my scrapbook. I could go through uh, a lot more of the names that were on that. That was a pretty great experience, a great team. Yeah, and then so it's Pepperdine. You played baseball there. Uh, were there any other colleges that you strongly considered, and why did you choose Pepperdine? Yeah, it, was, uh, it came down to the last three were uh, Pepperdine, UCLA, and uh, Fresno State, and really came down to Fresno State and Pepperdine. Um, I'm a diehard Trojan fan, too. I just couldn't do it. Couldn't, go, couldn't become a Bruin. Um <laughs> But, yeah, Pepperdine, Andy Lopez at Pepperdine, he'd call me once a week, and he had a plan, and the plan was winning a national championship. And there's, uh, I believe, 14 of us that bought into that plan, and we came in as freshmen, and the rest is history. 
Yeah. I mean, and you had – so throughout your career later on, especially, you'd have some injury bad luck. And so maybe the start of that, you got a hairline fracture in your right fibula in a car accident while you were at Pepperdine. But then, like you said, you came back from that. You helped lead the team to the CWS championship in 1992. So, I mean, what was that experience like when you think back to playing in Omaha? You know, what are your memories of that? Oh, that was a great experience. Um, like I said, we a, a group of us came in as freshmen with the goal of going to Omaha and winning it at Little Pepperdine, and uh, that was a great experience. Um, we uh, came in. I think we were ranked higher in the nation than we got seated. So uh, we came in and just took care of business. We had a really good tournament as far as pitching and timely hitting and great defense. It was it was a great experience. How did you like Rosenblatt Stadium? Uh, it, was, it was awesome. I mean, it was. Ever since I was a freshman in high school, that was the dream to get there and uh, win. I didn't necessarily like the way the ball flew out of the stadium at the time, <laughs> but because uh, I was, you know, full time pitching at that point. But uh, yeah, it was a great experience. The crowds were great. Um, everything was top notch. Especially the ping of those bats, right? It makes the ball jump even more at that at that time. Yeah, was, I think there was a zoo back there in right field. I think. Some animals had to take cover every now and again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so you get drafted. I don't have the exact date, or but right around the CWS, you get drafted that summer. The Cubs took you first round, eleventh pick, ninety-two draft. So thinking back to the draft, were, were the Cubbies kind of the team that you thought might take you? And then where were you at when you got the news that you'd been selected? Yeah, I wasn't really sure. There was a, a few teams talking. I think the Angels had the ninth pick. Um, and I was uh, maybe thinking I might go there. I think they ended up taking Pete Janicki. He he played at UCLA, but um, yeah, it was actually that was one of the better days in uh, my baseball career as well. Uh, the day of the draft, I pitched against University of Texas that night, and uh, we won seven nothing. I believe that game was. Um, so pretty much heard of the news and it went out and pitched and had a pretty good day that day that was fun yeah and your first couple of seasons then minor leagues peoria daytona orlando and iowa you pretty much got used as a starter in those days and, and i wanted to ask you about one start in particular so may 6th of 93 i randomly dug up that you got promoted from high a to join the big league team for the exhibition game back when the teams used to play so it was the cubs and and white Sox. do you remember that anything about that night yeah, that was pretty neat. Um, it was. I didn't eventually pitch in that game. I don't think. I don't remember pitching, but I, I just remember being in awe. Um, it was the uh, Windy City Classic at Comiskey, and uh, my my impression of that was, um, it almost felt like I went back to little league because, <laughs> you know, the minor leagues is a bit of a grind and. Uh, I got back to the big leagues, and my impression was just a bunch of guys having fun, and you know, it was it was pretty neat. Yeah, that, the, I miss those games. And the, like the Royals would play Omaha back in the day; I, those were good games. I guess the collective bargaining agreement probably got in the way of those, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what happened with those, but that 
That was pretty neat. That was a fun game to play in. Yeah. So 1994, Double A Orlando. The Cubs officially made you a reliever then, outside of five starts later on when you'd rehab. But so 94. So you, you'd remain a reliever the rest of your career. So kind of refresh our listeners about what pitches you threw. You know where? You know what did you throw in particular? What actual pitches? And then where'd you sit at and top out at? Yeah, I threw a fastball, split finger fastball, and a slider. So that pretty much explains uh, not starting. I didn't have much of a change-up or a curveball. Those two pitches were – I worked on them and, uh, and when they were trying to make me a starter, but I could never get a, a master of those two pitches. And I'd be all right for three innings, and then once the hitters catch up to your fastball and you can't really change speeds on them, then here comes the fireworks. But uh, – yeah, through um, the hardest I threw was 97. Uh, generally, it was 92, 93. Um, one season, I worked out really hard on my legs and gained some more velocity. And then uh, mainly would go with uh, fastballs, split fingers against lefties, and fastball sliders against righties. Okay. And uh, try to sink it a bit. Yeah, get some ground balls. Um, yeah, that was the key. April, of, or that was the goal. Uh, yeah, so April of '95. Then the trade carousel. So it begins, you know, for you and the Royals and the Mets. So this back and forth Royals and Mets throughout your career. So the Cubs trade you and Gino Morales to the Royals. That's April 21st of '95 for Brian McRae. So that first trade when you came over to KC, you know, who told you the news? Where were you at when you got that news? And, and what were your thoughts about leaving the Cubs for the Royals? Yeah, I was uh, actually just about to get in my car and drive to Arizona to go to spring training when I got the call and uh, ended up driving to, let's see, I went from, yeah, I drove, I went from the Cubs to the Royals first, yeah. Ended up going out to, uh, where was that, Baseball City, Haines City. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, joined, that was, I believe we had a pretty short spring training that year. Too. It was like a couple weeks, so uh, looked for a, a, another opportunity with a, another organization, and ended up going to Double A, and finished out part of the season in Double A. I think I got traded halfway through that season to the Mets. Yeah, you did. You did. So you, it was twenty six games with Wichita then at Double A and ninety five, and then yeah, it's the Mets for Jason Hockamy and Alan McDill, two guys I've actually talked with before. But it's July twenty first you get traded. So before we talk about that trade though, so I mean you were in Wichita for about two months. Uh, do you remember much about pitching with the Wranglers for those two three months there? Yeah, that was fun. It was. Uh, I like that Wichita is a great baseball town, and there's a good bunch of guys on the team. Enjoyed it. Uh, I believe Johnny Damon was on that team for a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, Jamie Bluma, a few other names I'd have to dig in the scrapbooks. But, that, yeah, I, I remember having a good time there. Yeah, you had, let's see, Brian Bevel and Jeff Granger, Felix Martinez, Rod Myers, Sal Fasano, and you mentioned uh, Johnny Damon. What, what do you remember about a real young Johnny Damon? Uh, I remember he came out and played hard, and uh, he's just so fast and um, just approach the game uh, the right way, and uh, he was he was fun to watch. That's for sure. 
And then, so you, you know, three months with the Royals or so, and then the trade happens again. So back to the Mets then for the first time in July. So you're, you know, were you kind of like surprised, like, man, I've barely been here and I got traded. How'd you find out the news you were going to New York? And what were your thoughts on that first trade to the Mets? Yeah, halfway in the season, uh, the Mets traded me and I, uh, I think I ended up going to Binghamton that season. Um, yeah, I was kind of just not getting settled and hopping over to another place. But fortunately, um, I had been with the Cubs, which is a really good organization. Then the Royals, another good one, and on to the Mets. And the Mets were an outstanding organization also. So, you know, I just tried to keep plugging away and hopefully get going and fit in. And the ultimate goal was to get to the major league. So, um, just had to keep working hard and trying to get there. Well, it would happen the next year, 1996. Now, first of all, you were a AAA All-Star. You had a 1.72 ERA at Norfolk and 26 saves there in 96. But then, yeah, the big leagues. So it's August 13th, and you'd pitch that same night at Shea Stadium against the Cubs. Scoreless inning in that game. But, but take us back to the moments. You're in Norfolk. You get the call up to the big leagues. Who told you? Where were you at? And what was that moment like? It's actually funny. Um, it was that. I believe post game, um, and I was actually at a Hooters. <laughs> we would go there and get some wings, and uh, after games, wind down a little bit. And Bobby Valentine called me at the Hooters. <laughs> it's kind of funny because I thought somebody was playing a joke on me. So uh, you know, I was like, "Get out of here!" But sure enough, it was him, and got the call up. It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, and good scenery around too, right? <laughs> yeah, not too shabby. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, a question I like to ask all pitchers I talk to, and I think like 45 out of 47 guys have gotten this answer right. So I like to ask trivia question. Who was your first big league strikeout? Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know who got their first hit off me. <laughs> it was uh, Who was the I first hit? I have no hit? idea. But I know uh, Scott Bullitt, I think first, first day bat against me got a hit. Okay, well, it was against the Padres, August 16th of 96. You got Steve Finley for your first big league oh, strikeout. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I knew it wouldn't have been Tony Gwynn because he went like six for five off me. <laughs> six for five. That's good. Yeah, they gave my extra hit. Was, <laughs> no matter how good of a pitch you made, he crushed it. Yeah. That... Through a hole, but he hit it hard. Yeah, Steve Finley was a hell of a hitter, too, there for a while. So. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't. Good trivia for me. Now, another thing that I noticed from the box score that day, and we'll see if you remember this or not, so you mentioned being a Dodgers fan, is you got to pitch against Fernando Valenzuela, and you got him to ground out to second. Do you remember pitching against him at all? Man, I don't remember that, but that's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, he was... I, I think that's probably I was in the phase of, like, just in la-la land, like, shocked I was there, I'm sure. Yeah, well, you're probably a Fernando fan growing up, too, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Fernando's a man. Fernando mania. Um, So later that year, then a month later, against the Braves, September 13th, you tied a major league record. You struck out four hitters in one inning, Pendleton, Jones, Klesko, and Mordecai. Do you remember uh, that game at all? Yeah, that was was actually one of the better experiences, uh, probably the best I've ever pitched. that was really fun. That was, and it was a safe situation. And actually, before I got um, 
Mordecai to swing and miss at a slider. He hit one about three inches from being a walk-off home run. Um, so that was, that was a pretty fun game. Yeah, more gratifying to get him out then. So then you're, you know, that, that. So besides those moments, then. So what else sticks out about, you know, your times up there with the Mets, and who were some of the guys in the Mets you were close to? Uh, hung out a lot with uh, Butch Husky when I was there. Uh, he he's a nice guy. Um, bullpen would kind of hang out a bit. Uh, Johnny Franco was taking me under his wing a little bit. He was he was awesome. Uh, he was, you know, showing me how to do things right and whatnot. Uh, but, yeah, I wasn't there that long, so <laughs> I was, I think, uh, it was a month and a half. One thing that was cool was that uh, Mets GM Joe McElvain, then after 96, uh, the quote was, quote, Derek may not be our closer in 97, but ultimately I see him in that role as our closer. I mean, did you, did you read that at the time, and how much did that mean to you? Yeah, that was, it was, you know, they let me know that was their goal um with johnny in the backside of his career hall of fame career i'm sure um he uh he got his 300 save and he was they were thinking of adding somebody to uh replace him when he decided to retire so that they told me that was uh what they saw me doing and you know that that's where we were headed now Unfortunately, the bad injury luck starts really popping up then, starting in uh, 97 spring training. So I would think this one had to have been, I would think, pretty serious, right? You had the aneurysm in your right shoulder in mid-March. I mean, how scary and how serious was that? Yeah, it was was a thing where I went out one spring training. I think we were playing the Marlins, and I threw, and I wasn't throwing very hard. I was throwing like mid-80s, and they just asked me what's going on, and I told them my uh, fingers were going numb. And uh, so it, I think uh, I'm, I'm slipping my mind right now. There, somebody else had aneurysms, a bigger name, and uh, he was a Met also. I just can't think of it right now. Um, but uh, all the bells and whistles went off, and they sent me over to the doctor's condo to check me out. And the next day I was on a plane going to New York. And uh, they found the aneurysms in my shoulder, and that was that. Man, well, it's a good thing they found it at least, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, they weren't like life-threatening to where if a blood clot would, you know, go into my heart or brain or anything like that. But the blood clots would flow down into my fingers. That's why my fingers were going numb. Okay. It was good they changed it, or uh, they found them. You know, if one would have burst, you know. Who knows what could have happened for uh, as far as even having my arm. So I'm grateful for that that aspect of it. So you pretty much lost that year then, uh, 14 minor league games. Then 98, you got in 54 games with Norfolk and AAA, 36 more in 99. And then the Royals trade for you once more. So, uh, you know, your mindset then. So but before we talk about that trade, so th- think back to like those last couple of years. You come back from the injury, you're in Norfolk in both 98 and 99 with no call-ups. Were you starting to lose the faith at all about, you know, getting that call-up? And I'm assuming the trade to the Royals was probably a pretty good thing at that point for you? No, I wasn't really losing faith. In, as far as getting called up, it was just I was kind of losing faith that I was still in the Mets plans. So um, I was having a pretty good year again in Norfolk. Um, so I approached our pitching coach and I said, listen, 
um, we were always up front with each other and even the organization itself. I was all, if you, if you guys don't see me in your plans, I would appreciate it if you find someone who might. And we, we had a good talk and, you know, what probably wasn't a week later that I was traded to the Royals and the Royals had me in their plans. So they called me right up, which was great. Yeah. They couldn't seem to get rid of you, right? They kept coming back to you. The Royals did. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I like that they, uh, they had they liked me and getting me back in the trade gave me even a little bit more confidence uh that i was probably in their plans and had to go work hard and make something of it so before we talk about your second stint with the royals you also pitched in the 1999 pan-american games was that a pretty cool experience yeah that was that was really fun i believe that was the first time uh professional baseball players could play in that style of international play like Pan Am games or Olympics. So we yeah, yeah, that was fun. We ended up qualifying for the next team to go play in the Olympics. So that was neat. I think there was you and one other guy played on both the eighty nine and ninety nine. Was there somebody last name Green on that roster? Yeah, Charlie Green. He was a catcher. That's what it he was. Uh, played on both. That was pretty cool. That's right. Okay. He, he was a really – I like pitching to him. He was one of those catchers that get, like, really low to the ground, so help me out as a sinker ball guy. Okay, okay. So you get back to the Royals after that trade, August 13th of 99. Uh, you know, the kind of the guys that were running the show at that point, Herc Robinson, Allard Baird, Tony Muser. What did they tell you when you first came to KC that second time? Um, you know, obviously I'd be in the bullpen, and I threw a few, uh, few days of bullpen work, and then uh, – they said I would just didn't wouldn't have a specific role at the time, but um, just get in there and get some people out and see what happens. Who were some of the guys on that Royals team? You know that kind of took you under their wing in KC and showed you the ropes and were, and were nice to you right away. Yeah, uh, mainly it's the bullpen guys and the uh, Montgomery Jeff Montgomery being, you know, he was the leader there and he helped me a lot. Also, I would talk to him a lot. Um, while during BP and stuff and try to pick his brain a little bit. Oh. Um, uh, I believe uh, mostly pitchers. Jay Watasek was there. A uh, number of other guys. It's just a new guy on the block is trying to get some info and see how things work at the major league level. Yeah, that 99 team, too, had a lot of talent. They could score some runs, but obviously the Achilles heel, and I'm sure why you were brought in, was that the bullpen that earlier that summer had been just kind of a dumpster fire, for a lack of a better term. I mean, could you sense some of the panic and some of the negativity when you first came over with blowing games and stuff like that? Well, not so much on, in the, you know, the, there's a bunch of professionals there that, you know, they're all coming out and working and trying to get things done. I didn't really much of that negativity going on just you know things just things happen sometimes and you know obviously that's not the case with the Royals bullpen now yeah. <laughs> they're phenomenal but uh yeah they're, they're just guys trying to figure things out and work hard and just wasn't working out at the time yeah, well, you some good moments. You finished out 99 at the big league level with KC. Uh, three straight games they activated you, and you go to Yankee Stadium and pitch, like, I think three games in a row, two and two-thirds innings combined, no runs, a couple of Ks. Uh, how exciting was it for you to make your AL debut, you know, at Yankee Stadium three days in a row? Yeah, that was 
that was very exciting. Um, that was uh, another one of the great moments uh, getting the call. I remember. I don't remember the the at bats in particular. I just remember the result and calling my brother and telling him I struck out Derek Jeter and Chuck Knobloch back to back looking mm-hmm. on inside pitches, which doesn't happen in the American League. I was it was kind of a that was a funny thing. I'm I'm not sure if Joe Torre made the umpire mad or something, but you know, I was a rookie <laughs> and Derek Jeter striking out Jeter looking on an inside pitch is like almost unheard of. So yeah, and then you mentioned that was, that was really fun. Knoblock too. I had that written down, so good memory on that one. Um, yeah, I remember that one. That was pretty <laughs> good because I called my brother. I remember being on the bus calling him. I was pretty excited. Now, you got in uh, five more games with the Royals then after those three, so eight total. The last one was September 4th of 99. So were you injured at that point for the month of September? Is that what happened? Well, I the, let's, I know that uh, coming back from my aneurysm surgery, I had to really work hard to come back, and I was uh, doing all I could to throw a lot of innings and try to work my way back, and I think in that September, I didn't particularly have a, a set role, like a setup guy or close every now and again. Sometimes I'd pitch long relief or any phase of relief. So I was getting a lot of work, and I just, I guess it just caught up with me where it wasn't the aneurysm thing. It was just a different issue with my arms started coming up. Okay, yeah. And then, so spring training of 2000, you come back with the Royals that next year, and then the trail kind of grows cold on you. So I'm assuming injuries. What happened then starting from spring training in 2000, you know, and on? Yeah, well, after the season, I ended up the season on the DL, that, and I stayed in Kansas City and worked real hard, and I was, all winter long I was getting treatment and trying to get my arm right. And it felt really good going into spring training then the injury bug hit again in spring training, and that was that. Was it just like arm, another arm surgery or at that point? Yeah, I ended up having like torn labrum and Ugh. some other issues with my my shoulder capsule was um, not tight enough. They shrank, actually put a heat probe in my shoulder and shrank the capsule, which was extremely difficult to come back from, I found out. Yeah. Did you give it a go for a couple more years after that, or did you kind of just hang them up at that point? Yeah, I tried to rehab. Um, it was it was odd because it was after that surgery, uh, I believe my my arm was kind of frozen in place for a little bit, and then yeah. it gradually worked, worked it out. And then through rehab, I was able to get it to a point where I was going to throw. But um, when I went to throw, it felt like I had never thrown a baseball in my life. I don't know if it the alignment on my shoulder was different or what what was going on with that, but yeah, really through rehab, I rehabbed for a year, and eventually I kind of realized that uh, I wasn't gaining a lot of velocity back, even when it felt good, and um, it just kind of appeared that I was going to be retired now. Um, a couple years later, after that, two three years later, after that my arm actually started feeling pretty good. But, uh, yeah, it was a little late. The window had kind of closed on me at that point. Yeah. What What do you remember, you know, California boy, now Florida boy? How would you like that winter in Kansas City in 99? I loved it. I enjoyed it. Um, 
we had a, a little house in Overland Park there, and you know there was snow in the backyard all through the holidays. It was really neat. I like the uh, winter time. Really? Although you know, yeah, I can. I liked it, you know, for one winter, but <laughs> being the Cali boy and Florida boy, I don't mind uh, more so Cali because there's no humidity. Where Florida, you know, Christmas Day it can be humid out, and <laughs> not so nice, but. Hey, as long as, you know, my family's healthy and I'm healthy, I'm good wherever I'm at. Did you get to, uh, did you find any hot spots that you liked in KC? Any barbecue, any restaurants, anything in particular that stick out about your favorite parts of the city? Well, it was most of the time, like I said, I was working hard on trying to get my arm right. So most of the time it was to the ballpark or, you know, to another training facility I was going to and, and back. Um, did have some good barbecue out there. I don't recall the names, but I mean, you can't go wrong with much, you, any barbecue place is pretty on point in Kansas city. <laughs> yeah, for, for certain. Well, well, last four questions for you then. So here's kind of a, a deep question. So when you look back at your life in baseball, what are you most proud of when you look back at your you know entire life from high school on forward? Um, most, my, uh, most proud moment was, calling my dad and telling him that uh, I got called up to the big leagues. Um, I'm proud that even though I went through some injury, I you tend to fight through it. Um, I had the broken leg my junior year. Uh, ended up coming back from that. Uh, I think I was in a pool the day after I broke that leg, and uh, four weeks later I was on the mound again. Um, so, yeah, it's I'm kind of proud that I fought through a lot of adversity and I gained a lot from it. My career was shortened, but um, that would have been nice to have a little longer career. But I'm just proud that I worked hard and did the best I could until I couldn't do it anymore. I remember you having some uh, some really cool baseball cards when I was younger. I used to collect cards when I was a kid. Do you, do you have a favorite baseball card of yourself? Yeah, probably the one. I'm, I think I'm in a Pepperdine visor, and um, I was just happened to be. It was the season after I signed, uh, so I I was walk. I was at a Pepperdine game and just visiting, and I was walking through the dugout, and a photographer uh, called my name, so I pointed at him, and they made a card out of that. Pretty cool. <laughs> that is cool. Uh, so, have you ever been back to Kansas City? No, I haven't. Um, just been here in Florida for since uh, I go back to California. Try to go every year, but uh, yeah, I go see the family around the holidays and stuff. But I hadn't been able to make it out to Kansas City. One of these days. And do you keep in touch with any of your old uh, Royals teammates from uh, from Wichita, or Casey? Talk to any of those guys anymore? Yeah, there's there's guys all over Facebook. You know, there's I'm, I mean, I get a lot of baseball people on Facebook, but I know. Uh, the Kansas City guys, uh, Joe Vitiello's on there, Jamie Bluma, uh, Joe Rand, I believe. There's a there's a bunch of guys on the Facebook. That's a that's a neat thing. Keep people in touch. We usually just commenting on uh, each other's stuff every now and again, or throw a happy birthday out there <laughs> every now and again. Well, last question for you is, uh, you know, what would you like to say to the Royals fans listening right now? Uh, I enjoyed being there. It was short-lived, but 
I wish I could have uh, had a little longer stay in Kansas City, but I appreciate the opportunity I had. And, um, the Royals fans were always cheering hard, and they have great fans in Kansas City. Yeah, hopefully we'll uh, see the Royals in a few more playoffs at least with this current group of guys the next several years. And, you know, thank you, obviously, for your time and, and for what you gave to the Royals organization. I'll always remember you as a Royal, and it's cool that you pitched here, and hopefully we'll see you back out here one of these years and definitely stay in touch. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you for the call. Okay, take care. All right, bye-bye.